Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to the Relentless Truth Podcast. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you. Please like, share, review, comment, and subscribe to The Relentless Truth. For more information, go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com. We've started a series of conversations with some amazing young people, and today's guest is a special one. I've known her for a couple of years. Her name is Lauren McElrath. She is attending Palm Beach Atlantic University in the fall after having graduated from Circle Christian High School. She's grown up in a Christian home surrounded by Christian perspective, and she holds these values herself. They are hers. I'm excited that you get to meet her, and she gets to share her thoughts with us today. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thanks. It's good to be here. All right, Lauren. I want you to tell the Relentless Truth listener, who you are. Tell us about your family and your interests, if you would. Awesome. All right. So I grew up in a home with a 2nd Battalion Army Ranger veteran dad. Um, He served in the Panama invasion. My dad, he, um, when he served in the Panama invasion, he was um, a paranger. He parachuted into um, Panama. And um, so basically when he, um, jumped out of the plane, his parachute malfunctioned and he was above this other ranger whose parachute was also having trouble. And my dad, his parachute was unable to catch air. So basically his parachute, it caved in and he hit the ground and broke his back from a fall of about 500 feet. So basically my dad broke his back as an army ranger and, um, Ever since then, he, um, well, after that, so he went to a hospital, and that's where he met my mom, who was his nurse. And so, basically, I grew up in a home with a veteran dad and a nurse (laughs) as a mom who um, became a stay-at-home mom and uh, pretty much just took care of us. My dad, throughout the Army, he had his Bible with him, and he became a Christian while he was in the Army. And uh, my mom had grew up in a Christian home, so both of my parents raised me with a Christian perspective in, in the church. And as I've grown up, I've turned my faith into my own, but they have done a very good job of leading me in my faith. I'm undecided in my plans for the future, but I know I'd love to work with people, and I'm excited to see what my future has in store. I love to paint, and I just love to be around people. I love um, the government. I love politics. I... Um, and very excited to see how college guides all my interests in the one category. So, Well, you know, Lauren, I'm wondering just for perspective, because I'm old and I remember the Panama invasion, but I don't remember when that was. Do you know roughly the year, just roughly? So I think it was 1989. Wow, that long ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so your your mom and dad met as a direct result of this accident, this parachute not deploying, and your dad was a ranger. And so that means to me that he's a really tough, disciplined guy. He is. One of his main principles is that, like, 
he has no reason not to do anything. Like he's in a wheelchair, but even though he's in a wheelchair, he still makes it a goal to do everything he can. He recently bought a um, motorcycle and he got it changed into a trike so he could ride it around because that was one of his main goals. He wanted to own a trike and he wanted to be able to ride it. And so that was one of his dreams. So he wouldn't let being in a wheelchair stop him. He, he doesn't let that stop him with anything pretty much. He works all day in his garage doing what he loves. And, um, Mm. yeah. Well, that is a great story. And I would imagine then that you were raised in a home that values freedom, values liberty, values our country. I would imagine with parents who met under those circumstances from those careers that I kind of see how you got your grounding then, both both yes, both yes. in Christ and and from a, a worldview standpoint in politics and government. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very much. So. Yeah, let me ask you this: I know our listeners would love to hear about your plans for the future, and this is something from you being in the classroom. I I really don't know what you plan to do, but talk about your strength you just you just touched on them a minute ago in this in your introductory um, answer but what are your plans for the future do you are you one of those students who knows what your major is going to be and what you plan to do with your career or are you more open as you go into college so I'm more open I used to have a set plan to go straight in the pre-law with a minor in political science but um, over the years I've kind of learned where my skill set is and I'm more of um, a hands-on person. So I like um, just to work with my hands and create things. And um, But I'm still exploring different majors. And um, I'm still interested to see what pre-law and political science have. So I'm going to explore those in college. But mainly, I'm working with an undecided major and a minor in art right now. Yeah, you know, my friends who, uh, in a few situations, I've been able to hear them give advice to young people uh, your age, particularly when my daughter was that age, which was not that many years ago. And they, even friends who are attorneys, tended to advise young people to to kind of be open as you as you go into college. So I think that's a good perspective for you to have. I'm wondering, you're actually one of the strongest students I've ever had the pleasure of teaching. And, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years, and I've seen you in a couple of different disciplines in, in the classroom. And I'm, I'm wondering if you would just talk about, this is a difficult question, it's a broad one, but I'm wondering if you could just talk about our society today. And if you could just talk about what you see as you look at it, what should it look like versus what it what it does look like. Could you just comment on that? I know it's a broad question, but if you just take off, I'll interrupt you and ask you other questions as we go here. Um, Yeah. So I'm not really sure how to answer that. I'm going to be honest. I'm not very educated on those topics, but I think our society is. Let me try to frame it differently. So all philosophers agree that we have a problem in our society. Man has a has a sin problem. And that, that shows up in generation after generation. There, there are people who are my age and older who, I think you guys call us boomers, who kind of see that the, they miss the good old days and the, and the world's ending, kind of. And I, mm-hmm. I don't see it that way because I get to be with all of you in the classroom. It gives me hope. The reason I'm doing this series is, is it, it gives me hope because 
I see that even though you have a different set of challenges than I had when I was a kid, your generation is dealing with them really well. And some of you are. There's a remnant. There's a group of people who restore our hope in this generation, and you're one of those people. But when you look at what's going on in the world ideologically right now, you know, there's everything from get everything quickly, press a button, you know, everything, you can be anywhere in the world. So there's this this instant gratification thing that goes on. There are all kinds of distractions. And then there's ideological, there are ideological uh, distractions. But just talk about what it's like to be a young person in in this world that we're in. And how does your how does your Christian faith inform you? How does that alter, say, your life from maybe someone who doesn't understand the principles that you base your life on? So honestly, I think the main difference between older generations and younger generations now is the introduction of technology as a new normal for each children to have each child to have a phone on them, like the youngest age of twelve. It's given us like instant gratification almost, like. Right. So on like the internet, kids are being exposed to, I think, different political ideas and kids are getting exposed to politics as young as 12. And I think that on the internet, almost every influencer is promoting political ideas and mainly liberal or socialist ideas. And um, kids are taught that this is the correct way of thinking. And if you don't agree with these ideas, you're wrong. And I found myself in that same position growing up. I came with my, I came to my parents multiple times a month with questions on like immigration, abortion, social justice, presidential elections. And I was constantly being thrown new political ideas and mm-hmm. I was questioning every principle I had. And uh, my parents did a great job of answering every one of my questions and giving me a different outlook on every idea I had questioned. And it gave me those answers with a Christian outlook, which I was very grateful for because most kids who are being thrown all these new political ideas don't have the guidance that I have at home, especially the Christian outlook that I, that my parents have given me. I think it's important for older generations to understand why younger generations are growing up with all of these new political ideas. So honestly, because we're surrounded by them constantly, we're in like a box of these ideas online and if you're not engaging in politics you're pretty much wrong but if you're not engaging in the right politics you're also wrong Mm -hmm. so i think that these new like liberal and socialist ideas they're they're kind of at the forefront of our country right now especially with a democratic president in office and upcoming an upcoming generation of self-proclaimed socialists our country is changing and um, capitalism is seen now as a new evil, sort of. And conservative mm-hmm. ideas are not valued, and they're pretty much shamed, especially online. And I think our public school systems need to do more when it comes to educating the upcoming generations of the faults of socialism and the freedoms we have in our country and why we fight so hard to keep that. And um, education, I feel like, is like cured to ignorance, and I think it's important for our school systems to cover these topics. But yeah, pretty much the principles I have come from scripture and from my parents, honestly. When it comes to my values and principles about the government, I like to search the Bible and align my political beliefs with it. I like think it's the most important tool we have when it comes down to anything. My principles are guided by the word, and I want to live my life taking care of and loving others well and working hard to sustain myself and my family 
And, um, you know, when it comes to the government, I want to vote. Sorry, go ahead. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to, because I would bet that the, a listener hearing you is, is thinking some group of listeners thinking, yeah, right. But I know you and who you are at your core. And, and so I'm going to talk about something real fast that real quickly, that is kind of a, a challenging subject. Adults, particularly even at Circle Christian School, even among the faculty at Christian schools all over the country. And, you know, I get to work with a lot of schools all over the country, some churches, some parachurch ministries, and there's a lot of attention paid to your generation and a few older generations where we've been concerned, where I think evangelicalism, Christianity in general, has been concerned, the church has been concerned that your faith isn't solid in your generation. And you said mm-hmm. you said something to me at some point, you, you talked about your faith being your own and not just your parents. So what you just said is that you've had a good relationship with good parents who've kept you, Christian parents who've kept you grounded in God's word and its principles. And I see that so clearly in your life. But at what point did it become not just something you do in your home, but something that's very real for you. And I get to see, unlike our listeners, I get to see that you hang out with a group of students, or you did in high school, who have a similar worldview to you. That's, uh, worldview is not just something you talk about. It's something that you actually informs the way that you live. So talk about your faith becoming real and personal and durable to you. So... I like to say, like, my whole life, I grew up in a Christian household, and I read the Bible often. I went to church on Sundays. I had a relationship with God pretty much growing up my whole life. Like, I knew He was a part of my life. But basically, around high school, I started to watch my faith become my own when we changed churches. So when we were looking for a new church, I still had to stay grounded in my Bible. I had to stay grounded in my faith, but I pretty much had to put work into this on my own. I had to study the Bible and still stay grounded while we were looking for this new church. So over time, I basically, I I feel like every Christian has a time where they question their faith and they have to search their Bible and discover what's, is this, is this my belief or am I just going along with my family? Am I just going along with my church? So basically in this time in between churches, I was searching the Bible and I pretty much found my comfort in the word. And, um, it became my own at that time when I found that it was my faith and it was, it was, I was not just going along with everything else. And you're really on to something here because I have watched many years, as you know, of young people come out of high school and go to college. And they, there are times where, you know, and I, I don't think it's any secret that you kind of get surprised that the person who seemed to be strong in their faith experiences doubts and fears and drifts away over the years. Mm -hmm. That is true of my story and my walk. I reached that crisis point that you just described. You didn't call it a crisis, but it's a, it's the doubts and 
fears and thorough investigation of truth that brings us to the point where God, I believe, uses his word to make us solid, steadfast. And I think that's just true of so many scripture references that we could talk about. But somehow, I think we're afraid, especially at a Christian school, and I know it doesn't happen in other formats and other institutions, but even at a Christian school, we're, we're, we're almost afraid to talk about doubts and fears. There's almost a, an expectation that, well, everybody's on the same page. You had to sign a document to get in here. Life is good. We're all Christians. And, and we, we tend to focus just on, on kind of outward compliance. And I believe you just hit the nail on the head. I think we have to all come to the end of ourselves And the sooner you do that, especially for you as a young, sounds like this happened relatively early in your high school experience, the sooner we do that, the the sooner our Christian life gets on track where we actually understand biblical concepts and start to live them out. But I worry in the church and Christian schools and other places that we don't we make this kind of forbidden, this this sort of transparency, this, hey, I've got a problem, I'm struggling with this, this faith is not my own. Even in our families sometimes, I think we make that a difficult thing to recognize. Can you just talk about that for a second? Do you see that in other students? And do you think it's a big deal in terms of all of us becoming grounded in our faith? Yeah, I think, honestly, when I was experiencing this time, discovering my faith on my own, I think I was really scared to express my doubts and my fears because I was scared if I told them about it, that they would worry that I was coming out of my faith. But really, I just wanted answers to create a solid foundation, really. And I think that's pretty much mainly every, especially at Christian schools, I feel like a lot of kids worry that if they tell their friends that they're expressing if they express doubts and fears to their friends, they're worried that they won't get answers, they'll get shame, or they'll get they'll have people worry for them. Or even treated like, hey, you're not one of us. Yeah, I, I think that's totally something that kids worry about, especially at Christian schools, or even at church. But I think that's really important for each person to go through, is just questioning if this is their own, is are they sustaining their faith on their own. Yeah. Yep. Or said differently, are they truly trusting God and walking by faith? And that that's yeah. a that's a struggle in this world. You know, I asked you earlier about what you see in in society and that such a difficult question and I, I thought your answer was excellent. But this issue, this everyone experiences uh, tends to experience, I think, a a crisis of faith, the point at which we surrender from our self, basically, and our own ideas to that of Scripture. That that's a point that we we all need to get to, and 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 yet I think in Christian institutions we make it we can make it difficult. Now you've been in my classroom, and this isn't a a, a sales pitch for my classes, but you know that we've had students from time to time who've raised their hands in a couple of different disciplines i'm thinking i'm thinking of a couple of really interesting situations that you <laughs> you you've experienced and you know that i tend to allow for lack of a better word lots of thought to be expressed in the classroom now i i actually think that's healthy as long as i 
handle the discussion in a mature way. Mm-hmm. But I think that's healthy for young people to understand. See, I think I think this question, this issue that you're talking about actually goes back to that instant gratification and quick information that you talked about. This generation and the last couple of generations have had more information more quickly. And you talked about political science, you talked about um, politics, political positions, and you alluded to social media. I think depth of argument is something that we all miss nowadays. And, and I know I sound mm-hmm. like an old guy when I say that, but I think it's healthy to sit in a classroom, even at a Christian school, and hear many facets of all of the arguments because I frankly think sometimes we're afraid as Christians that somehow somebody's going to be convinced that the other side is right if we explore those arguments. So I think it's a healthy thing to allow other thoughts to enter the classroom. And I wonder sometimes if we do that very well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, your class was one of my favorites because it was able to answer my questions in depth. And I felt like it was all right for me to answer those questions, even if they sounded, I don't know, pretty obvious because I struggle with a lot of questions that a lot of Christians will be like, oh, well, that's, there's an obvious answer to that. But I feel like I never got them answered because that was always the, you know, yep. return I, answer. So. I grew up exactly the same way. And I, I grew up kind of, I'm glad you're more vocal about this because I grew up sort of privatizing or holding close my fears. And I probably prayed to receive Christ a hundred times. As, as a young person, worried that I hadn't said the right words. And, and I, I really should have gone to someone who is more mature, who understood the depth of the gospel, who could have explained it to me more clearly. But that conversation didn't happen for me, and it's my fault, I'm not blaming any pastors or teachers or parents or anybody else, but that conversation didn't happen for me until I was in adulthood. And I think that's true of a lot of us. The other thing, I'm, I'm just wondering if you talk just real quickly about bullying online or getting canceled or oh my goodness. What, whatever that is, you know, that happens. And, and I know it happens in writ large in the public with famous, well-known people or others who make some kind of stand on something and they make a mistake. But even in micro groups, like our own little community, it can happen. And it seems that that's part of this same problem that, oh, you step out of our parameters for you and and we cancel you or bully you. Have you seen that in your generation among your friends, among people that you know? Is it a thing? Is it a problem? Yes, it's a huge problem. I haven't seen it other than pretty much online. So basically, online bullying has become just widespread accepted online. So you'll see that either a celebrity or like it could be even someone as small as someone who has 10,000 followers It's or like any social media platform person. If you step out of like a box or if you say something that is found to be politically incorrect or just incorrect in general, people don't allow room for growth. You'll immediately be canceled and pretty much bullied for the rest of your online career as long as you have a social media feed. And I think that's an extremely large issue that our generation is growing up with. It's not educate and learn and do better next time. It's 
you have no chance to do better. You've already failed and there's no room for you in this society anymore. Mm -hmm. And basically that's what we're growing up with is if you mess up one time, you're out, you're done. Like you can't get a job. You're pretty much done for. And, um, I feel like that's a major issue that we have because children are being bullied for these kids will have a phone as early as the age of 12. And, they say, obviously, kids at the age of 12 don't really know how to act online. They don't know how to behave. They don't have parents who are just monitoring every second they have on the Internet yep. and say, oh, you can't say that. That's incorrect. You shouldn't say that. But they have a bunch of people telling them you're pretty much done for. Like your life is over because you said something that stepped out of line and was inappropriate of you to say. And just pretty much children are getting bullied out of their minds on these platforms because teenagers or adults want to tell them that what they said is completely horrible and that their life is pretty much over. And I just think that's really incorrect because it doesn't allow room for growth. Like I think there's, I think that we should correct people and you know, it's not wrong to tell people that something they said was inappropriate or incorrect. But I think that it should be a helpful correction instead of a harmful, harmful bullying, pretty much. You know, a thing that I have seen in your life, and we don't know each other well personally, but in the classroom even, observing you with other students for a couple of years, many, many hours in the classroom through many assignments and many discussions, I know that you understand God's grace in your life, the sufficiency of the gospel, the sufficiency of God's grace and love for you. And I think that's one of the things I worry about when I hear you talking about bullying and canceling and all of the social media interfaces that are unhealthy. The fact that we prejudge or quickly judge says that we're not practicing the grace that has been extended to us. And Mm -hmm. so in a society like that, it really doesn't surprise me that Marxism begins to sound appealing or atheism or secularism sound really appealing because people who who live their lives intending to be nice while they're around on this earth, even though they don't believe in God, tend to be at least reasonably kind. And when the culture, you know, rejects us, as you just said, for a comment that was made, it amazes me how you just talked about this. Somebody makes a comment years ago, and then you hear about it in the news or on social media as if it was made yesterday in today's context, and the person gets fired or canceled, whether they're a government official or a, a faculty member somewhere. And and that, to me, just is a graceless, unforgiving culture. And I, I worry mm-hmm. that that's what we've become. And Yeah, I agree. I think you said that really well. I want to ask you one other question. This is This is a kind of a big one. But I think you are uniquely capable of commenting on this, and you'd be surprised how valuable this information is to me personally, and I think it would be valuable to my generation and some others that are older than you. What do you wish older generations knew about your generation, about young people your age? I think we miss some things about this generation. Can you just talk about that for a few minutes? 
honestly, the main thing I wish older generations knew is how much technology is changing upcoming generations. I think it's absolutely changing younger generations. And I think it's important for older generations to understand why this generation is so different. And I, I think it, yeah, I think it all comes down to pretty much our access to the internet, which sounds like an old person thing of me to say. What would you tell us that what is missing? Cause you're implying that this technology is changing the way we live. And I, th- I think that's so true. I know even in my own life, I can get on my phone at night. My wife and I can be sitting in a room together and on our phones, even researching something we just heard and not talking for a long period of time. And I think you're talking about much more than that, but I starve, even though I'm an introvert, I starve for human interaction. And I worry when you say what you just said about technology, that one of, and I think this is multifaceted and maybe we need to get together and do this again because this, this is a, a topic that requires lots of discussion, but I worry that those skills that God made us, the community that God made us to thrive in, that we're, we're missing it because of technology. I think you're talking about much more than that, but is that one of the issues that you're, you're concerned about, that, that technology or internet access makes us more siloed and less in community? Yes, I think technology absolutely starves us as, communication and socialization with other people. And I think this is one of the topics I, I talked about this with my mom is that technology, it creates an absence of boredom in um, especially children. So children will grow up with, children will grow up with play, like consoles to play on or YouTube to watch. And that pretty much gives them this, fulfillment of socialization but I think that these consoles and just our phones take away boredom from us and I think boredom is one of the most important things we have because boredom inspires creativity and I think that's one of the things that we lack because if you're never bored then why are you going to start playing the piano if you're never bored why are you going to start painting if you're never bored why are you going to think about that lemonade stand you want to build outside and start to go get money. I just think all these fundamental things that kids have growing up that inspire creativity are being taken away by technology. And I feel like that's important for older generations to understand when, um, especially when you're raising kids with technology or if you're giving kids technology at a really young age, you're taking away pretty much this creativity from children because they're not going to be ever experience what boredom is. I got to tell you something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to tell you something. Go ahead. Is that just a thought that you've had in conversation with your mom? Is that what you just said about boredom? Um, Yes. Because I think that is profound. I really think you're onto something and I had never thought about it in those terms. I've never thought of boredom as healthy. I think of community as healthy, but, but boredom is the thing that drove me at age six to go two houses down and get Jeff Wilson to come out and throw the ball with me. Yes, and, yeah. And, or as you said, to take piano lessons that I wish I had continued more than just a couple of years. <laughs> but I think you're really onto something. And, and I think 
we are never bored. In fact, I have the illusion in my life, and it's just because I don't prioritize as well as I should, of never having enough time. And I bet the, our listener experiences that. I haven't met anybody who says, yes, I've got plenty of time to do all the things I'd like to do. And yet when you peel it back, I think we spend a lot of time on activities that are technology related that really aren't improving our lives. Yeah. I think the time we spend on technology, I feel like kids get this creativity gratification when it comes to playing um, video games because they're, they think they're doing something productive because they're checking off these levels. They're problem solving and doing all these skills. But in interfacing, interfacing with people around the world, even. Yes. And all these levels have been completed by other people, but you see, you can't do anything original when you play these games, but when you do something outside of these games, you're doing something like all new and completely original, like creating a painting that is completely your own. That's something you can't do on a video game. You can't like create art like that. And I just feel like that's um, something that kids are lacking. They don't want to go hang out with their sibling, go to the grocery store, even because it sounds completely boring and they would rather be on their uh, technology, which is understandable. And I would think the same thing if I had complete access to technology when I was younger. Well, I want to give you a bit of advice here, Lauren, and I think you already probably know this, but I think you're onto something. And I think you just, you might've identified your senior research project at your college because this notion of boredom being the problem, boredom, the absence of boredom, I think what a great academic paper that would be of some kind. I, I think you're all over an important truth. Is there anything else that you think as you look at this generation and, and no is a perfectly good answer to this, but is there anything else that we, this has been so productive and I know our listeners are amazed that this is a young person coming out of high school and headed to college and Lauren McElrath is a name that they need to listen for because you are one of those students who's going to change the world. And you might just do it, you know, one person at a time in your own community. And I certainly get that. But I hope you'll run for office or, or, or write, write, uh, write a book about uh, embracing boredom because uh, I, I think you have so much to offer to this generation. Is there anything else just quickly that you wish we, we knew about you and your generation? I don't think there is really anything else that I can think of. Well, that that is such a clever, and it's not clever as in a kind of a crafty thing, but it's a profound thought that uh, you've shared with us. And I appreciate you sharing your story. I know your parents are proud of you. I know how much, you know, I saw the look in your eyes when you told me a couple of years ago about your dad's parachuting accident and the fact that he was a ranger. So I know how proud you are of him. And uh, I am grateful that you took your time to share your story with us. It is a blessing. Folks, I hope you get it. I hope you see that this generation is not without hope. This generation is one that we can be proud of. So thank you for coming, Lauren. Thank you. All right, folks, if you will... Please like, share, review, comment, and subscribe to the Relentless Truth Podcast. We would certainly appreciate it. And for more information, go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com. Until next time. 
Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.